Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners, and all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. I am so excited to share this week's podcast episode. It came from a conversation that I had with Amanda. That was episode 25, and we talked. She brought up the fact that she feels like she eats out way too much. And I don't necessarily agree with that. And so I wanted to have a conversation with with a trusted source about eating out and there we have it with Nina. Nina is an anti-diet weight-inclusive dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. She owns the Melbourne practice Feel Good Eating. And we had this really great, insightful uh, conversation about eating out and these expectations that we place upon ourselves and that culture places on us to you know, make most food from scratch or to think that eating out is this really bad, awful thing. And it, and it doesn't have to be a couple of things that I want, um, for you to keep in mind as, as you listen to this episode today is to recognize that stress leads to poor health outcomes and to know at the end of the day in Nina's words, and I think this is such an insightful, such a great thing to keep in the back of our minds is to know that it's better to eat something than to eat nothing. And we also talked about, like I said, a lot of the cultural expectations on us to cook and to not eat fast food. But in reality, that sets a lot of us up for failure and frustration. And without any more introduction, let's just jump right into our conversation. All right, Nina, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to kind of be making the world a smaller place and coming to you from Melbourne, Australia. I know it is. It's so nice. You don't really like cooking, you said. No. Well, I'm not. I was again. I'm kind. Of, I've been pondering this because I am not. Um, I'm quite upfront on social media, um, saying that I am a dietitian who doesn't like cooking. Uh, I make no um, secret of that. And when I was thinking about it, I'm like, is it the cooking itself or is it all of the stuff that kind of goes around cooking? So um, I know we kind of, my partner and I, we kind of have a routine. So it gets to kind of the end of the week and we normally do our grocery shopping on a Saturday. So it'll be like late on a Friday night and we'll both say to each other, so have you come up with something to eat next week? Have you come up with dinner ideas for next week? And it's this real chore of actually thinking about what are we going to eat? Yeah. So there's there's that part of it. Um, the actual shopping part itself is not too bad. We've kind of got a little ritual around it. So we'll get up on a Saturday morning and go have a coffee and a pastry before we do shopping and, you know, going to the same um, supermarkets and fruit shop and dallies and things like that. We kind of know the layout so we can kind of get in and out there pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... It's just kind of then having to actually cook the food, um, which 
I, because I'm not a big fan of cooking and just I think because of um, my work and my lifestyle, you know, I've got a bunch of chronic illnesses as well that they don't necessarily drain my energy, but my work drains my energy so that at the end of the day when, you know, the thought of having to stand at the stove and be chopping things and sautéing things and cooking things and baking things, I'm just like, that is the last thing I want to do. So I am, I am, you know, if there was a thing, I would be the ambassador for leftovers. I'm a big <laughs> fan of um, cooking something in bulk um, on the weekends or one night of the week and, you know, having leftovers during the week so that I can just come home and reheat something. Or it will be things that I can cook within, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes. So, um, I don't know, pan frying some steak and opening a bag of salad and adding some dressing and some extra ingredients. You know, that's that's the extent of my cooking during the week. I might get a bit adventurous on the weekend if I've got more time to cook something a bit more elaborate. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of leftovers. I'm a big fan of convenience food. Um, whatever makes putting dinner on the table as easy as possible. There are so many things that you brought up that I want to talk about. I think, first of all, I am so happy that I'm talking to somebody who is not only doesn't like to cook a whole lot, but is also a dietitian. Um, uh-huh. It's been really interesting in reaching out to people for this podcast because I not only interview experts in their field, but I talk to people who are cooking for one. And uh-huh. a lot of people have responded by saying, you know, I don't cook. And I guess, you know, part of my problem is I'm saying, oh, yeah, cooking for one. Tell me about that. Well, I don't cook. Of course, that doesn't <laughs> fit it. But it really, it's just not as easy, you know, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Like, how do you feed yourself? But that's really yeah. what it's about and what it comes down to. I think um, there's so much, so many expectations, um, at least in my experiences where I live in the U.S., you know, you and honestly, for myself, a lot of this came from the way that I grew up and Mm -hmm. in that, you know, you, you don't buy pre-chopped vegetables. You chop them yourself because you're going to save 20 cents or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to make everything from scratch and you're going to prioritize having lots and lots of vegetables with what you eat. And that's a little bit off topic, but these expectations of what cooking, what, what feeding yourself is supposed to look like. And if we, don't fit that mold or don't like that mold, then it's confusing and it's frustrating. And, um, you know, you're just left feeling like you're a failure. (laughs) That's kind of how I've boiled it down. What about you? A hundred percent. You know, this, this whole topic that we're talking about today, that, that is really the crux of it for me is this, Mm -hmm. this pressure that is put on us to, um, be performing, uh, like quote unquote adulting around food and, yeah. and what that's meant to look like, um, and I think for a lot of people that just adds a lot of stress and um, I don't know, just leaves people feeling really crummy about themselves. Yeah, if they don't if they don't meet that expectation. Uh huh. Yeah, and not only that, but taking it, um, you know, one extra step and realizing that by feeling that way and having those experiences, like you're not set up to continue with that habit. So if you feel like you're supposed Mm -hmm. to be making everything from scratch, even if you do have the time, if you don't like it, or if there's something in that process 
that is, you know, a huge barrier for you that you really don't like, like you're not going to do that long term. Or if you are, you're just going to be completely miserable with the process. And yes, we deserve better. I was going to say it's yeah, it's that it's that classic um, human characteristic of we come back to things that we enjoy and we get pleasure out of and Mm -hmm. we try and reject or push away things that we find unpleasant. Um, And that's, I wouldn't say I find cooking unpleasant. I just find it a chore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and it is that way for a lot of people, whether they recognize that or not. And I think, you know, I mean, recognizing that can be a really helpful position to be in because then you can reevaluate and find a way that's going to make things easier. Because it really, at least for yeah. me, I don't know about when you're working with people, but it really comes down to finding the most simple way to eat in a way that you want to eat for the most part (laughs) like what's going to be the easiest the most convenient way to accomplish what you want exactly yeah I I find um when I'm working with people it's you know in the early days it really is about kind of reining in expectations and Mm -hmm. meeting people with where they're at and actually kind of reminding them of where they're at and that they don't have to be striving for this kind of dramatic um change in the way that they are approaching food that it's okay to to kind of move slowly um and kind of recognize all of the other things that are going on in their life that that mean that um cooking maybe just isn't realistic for them yeah and that's such such an important realization to make and the reason why I wanted to talk to you about eating out and I guess particularly fast food because that's such yeah. a, a, you know, there's a lot of stigma and a lot of baggage with that term yes. is because I, I recently did um, a podcast interview and it's, I, I don't know, mid-November, end of November is when it's going to be released. So whatever that is mm-hmm. related to when this one is. But um, the I was talking to Amanda and she, we had such a fantastic Um, discussion. But what she kept bringing up, and I think this is so universal, was the fact that, you know, she kept saying, and, and also it's important to recognize that she's working 80 to 90 hours a week, which, I mean, that doesn't leave any room for anything else really. And she, you know, was feeling bad and down and frustrated um, because she, and shameful about the fact that she was eating fast food, I'll just say more than she thought that she should or would want to. And, Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, we, you know, that's, it's not the devil. (laughs) It's not this horrible thing, regardless of of what messaging that you hear about it. Um, really at the end of the day, it's about feeding yourself. And, um, you know, I'm going to take your words, but when we were emailing, you said, um, that, you know, I mean, we're not talking about, well, I'm not taking your words, but like what, what you <laughs> said was essentially like, we're focusing on eating here. It's better to eat yes. something than to eat nothing. Isn't that what, yes. is that what you said? Am I paraphrasing yes. that? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is, that's kind of my mantra that I, um, offer a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, when we kind of think about the role that food plays in our life. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking purely from like a, a biological sense here. Food mm. is our life source. It's not just the thing that, um, you know, gives us our fuel, but food is the thing that, um, builds muscle. It's the thing that heals us when we 
cut ourselves. Um, it's the thing that grows our eyelashes. It's the thing that turns into all of the chemicals that transmit things around our body. You know, without food, our bodies cease to function properly. Um, so it's kind of in our body's best interest that we continue eating. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, if we're skipping meals because we're feeling badly that um, we're eating fast food, so we think it's we're, we're being better or we're being healthier if we don't eat, um, all that's doing is really setting us up to down the track, find ourselves in a place where we might be, um, you know, eating really quickly or eating large amounts of food or maybe even, you know, binge eating because that's our body's response to that deprivation of, of skipping meals or, or not eating. And that's not to say that overeating or binge eating is inherently a bad thing. It's just that I find that a lot of people, um, you know, there's a whole heap of baggage and shame and, um, displeasure associated with those kind of behaviors people find that really unpleasant and it's often not looking at fixing that it's having a look at where um i don't know there's gaps in the day or or meals being skipped and things like that and so that's why i kind of look at um using fast food or, or eating out or convenience food and things like that and for people where they're going to be at risk or vulnerable to skipping meals or, or not eating well, that it really does come down to eating something is going to be better than eating nothing mm-hmm. just just to keep your body feeling comfortable and feeling safe. Yeah, those are all such great tips. I'm glad you talked about all of that. I think um, when the, it's, I feel silly saying this, but we all learn mm-hmm. things at different, um, like stages or different paces. But yeah. when I was in, I don't think it was, it was even after I finished my nutrition program where it really like clicked in my mind that the food that we eat gives us the nutrients, um, that our bodies like actually literally use to for our metabolism to work for our lungs to work for all our all of our bodies to function and and without that not only are we not going to function very well but our bodies are literally going to slow down which then in turn like makes you know we we then need less food and I would say most people would not want to do that. And it's totally counterintuitive. But if you think of it from that perspective, it kind of, well, it makes sense because I learned it in so many different ways, but it kind of, it makes (laughs) sense, at least to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, not, not having enough energy because you haven't eaten enough. Well, that's like kind of perpetuating this cycle of, I just really don't feel like cooking anything now. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, you just kind of, it, it was interesting because again, I might be bringing this um, interview up a lot, but we, I was talking to Amanda who um, this, you know, kind of brought this whole thing up with me. Um, mm-hmm. And she was talking about, um, is it Newton's law of physics? Oh my gosh. I'm not very good at remembering like those specific things, but essentially like an object in motion stays in motion and then creating those habits and it's easier to stick with it. And she, um, was talking about how, you know, like she was a little bit nervous to, to get in that habit of eating fast food a lot and how that's just going to be the go-to. And I'm not bringing this up to like, you know, to say that she's wrong or right or anything. It's just, you know, I mean, that's something that a lot of us probably feel from one time or another and, Mm -hmm. um, and feeling like we're stuck 
and not able to make decisions within that framework isn't necessarily helpful either. Cause I think we mm-hmm. do get caught up in like, Oh, well I don't have any time. Therefore I have to eat this or that. Um, and, and really focus on that as opposed to like, what sounds good to me right now or what is going to nourish my body. Um, and I'm going to feel good about what I'm eating and not in terms of like, Oh, you know, this is healthy, but like, What's going to fuel my body so that I'm going to have the energy that I need and my body will physically like, you know, will feel fairly good afterward. And there's so, there's so many things that get in the way of, of us and making those decisions about food. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. It's so overwhelming. Um, yes. So with that said, we talked a little bit about eating out and fast food and why that might not be so bad. Essentially, um, you said it so well and so concisely that, you know, it's better to eat something than to not eat something. Um, let's, can we move this to talking a little bit more about like practical ways to, to navigate this? Do you have any tips that you, you know, talk to your patients, clients with about eating out, um, where you kind of get started? Yeah, I, I like to I like to get started from um, kind of averting this idea of too much and, and where that might actually be coming from and too much according to whom. And I think it's it's really a message that's coming from diet culture um, yeah. and just letting people, you know, I think what you were speaking to before was this idea of kind of letting yourself off the hook and then mm. you don't do anything. But I think it's important to kind of shift the – the not the blame but where where the um, pressure is coming from that it's not actually us as bad humans or bad adults or bad at being healthy it's it's this external pressure that's coming from diet culture and so we talk about that in terms of how can you make peace with um your circumstances and this pressure that's coming from an external source um because you know, I think um, you kind of have to do a bit of like a, a cost-benefit analysis and have a look at your individual circumstances to just work out how feasible cooking from scratch actually is for you. Because for people who are extremely busy, um, like Amanda, uh, or who work multiple jobs to make rent, or people with chronic illness or chronic pain or disability or an eating disorder the costs associated with having to cook from scratch can be a lot more than maybe the, the the monetary cost of buying fast food. So, you know, for people who don't have the time or who don't feel well, there is actually a time cost. There's an effort cost. There's an energy cost. There's a um, capacity cost. There's, you know, a physical ability cost associated with that. And so sometimes the benefit of eating um, eating out or eating fast food is a lot greater than cooking from scratch. Um, and I think, to be honest, it's, you know, it's, it's diet culture and sometimes it's our own nutrition and public health promotion messages that fail to meet people where they're at and all that does is leave people feeling stressed. And we know for sure um, that stress leads to poor health outcomes. So in terms of where to start, I think if eating fast food is how you can best feed and nourish yourself and you can make peace with that. 
what we've done is we've just created a lot of space in which we can get really curious and, and start to explore all of the options out there when it comes to eating out. So, yeah, I think before um, starting with, you know, practical tips, people have to feel okay with eating fast food or, or eating out or using convenience food. Um, so, as I said, I'm here in Australia and I appreciate there's probably going to be differences in the, you know, culinary and, and food service spaces compared to the States. I remember when I was in the States probably oh, was nearly 10 years ago, I was in New York for the whole time, but I was just blown away about um, or at how much choice there was when it came to food and food that you didn't have to cook. Um, you know, the number of fast food places that delivered food at, you know, all times of day and night, um, all the delis, you know, places like Whole Foods and things like that where you could put together meals from a bunch of pre-made stuff. We didn't have anything like that here back then. You know, you could get, I don't know, like a container of coleslaw or potato salad from a supermarket deli. But here in Australia, it's probably been only in the past few years where there are more of those kind of convenience options and a much bigger variety. Um, and so I think it really... I would I'm, when I'm working with people, I'm trying to find where they're at and, and what actually what's important to them and and where they want to start. Um, so if it is only feasible to be eating food that's been ordered in or um, you're eating out or things like that, maybe it is I don't know ordering a pizza um, and pairing that up with a bag of salad that you bought at the supermarket earlier in the week when you had to go and buy your toilet paper and your deodorant and then that's a way that you kind of having fast food and also bringing something you know some veggies in um, if that's something that's important to you uh, and then I think if people are really aspiring to cook more at home again it comes back to what I was saying before about you know not having to do this like 180 degree flip or a massive leap from eating out all the time to cooking everything at home um, is there somewhere small that you can start? Um, I just think you don't have to cook everything from scratch. Um, putting meals together that are, you know, assembling pre-made and pre-cooked and pre-chopped ingredients um, is, you know, just as wholesome and filling and satisfying as cooking from scratch, you know. Uh, a barbecue chicken plus some, I don't know, deli coleslaw and maybe a, a microwave rice cup is a meal that you can pull together for yourself at the end of the day that's, you know, maybe not ordering fast food, but you also don't have to spend 45 minutes in the kitchen. Um, so I think by acknowledging where people are at with their circumstances beyond food and making peace with that, I think there's so much scope for exploration. It's really about getting curious about what's going to work best for them as an, an individual and what they're going to find satisfying and enjoyable. That is great. Thank you so much. I think I'm, I'm glad you clarified a little bit because I think when we, again, like it comes to eating out, it's for a lot of people, it just has like a negative stop right there. And you talked about, um, you know, being curious and being aware of what you're eating and recognizing that there are more choices. And also, um, these are my words, so I hope that I'm interpreting them the way that you meant, but mm -hmm. like giving yourself permission to like 
get whatever. And that could mean literally anything. I think I'm just intentionally going to leave that um, vague. But in my mind, a lot of times we have this stigma and um, these expectations with what we should be eating. And, and then the converse or like just it just stops there because we hear it Mm. from so many different places and it's just so ingrained in us that you don't even, we don't even go below the surface to think about why we feel that way or what that actually ends up um, doing to us and our, the way that we feel about ourselves and, and eating. And that's not so helpful. No, no. I I mean, I, I think um, people who are listening to this episode I, we probably don't even have to describe this idea of what quote-unquote eating right looks like. Yeah. I think people could rattle off what constitutes, you know, quote-unquote eating right um, and conversely what eating badly looks like. And I think, um, yeah, this idea of eating right comes from diet culture mm-hmm. and it's diet culture that then criticizes any deviations away from that. And fast food and eating out and using convenience food and using processed food, again, we kind of inherently know that diet culture frowns upon that because we've had it drummed into us. Um, So it makes a lot of sense that people who are eating out or eating fast food frequently feel like they are eating badly and then by extension feel like they are bad or failing at, you know, quote, unquote, being healthy. And I think this is exactly how diet culture is set up to work and to you know to manipulate us and to make us feel less than and like I said to put that pressure on us that is just not helpful and is actually doing a lot more harm because again coming back to what we were saying earlier having something to eat is always going to be better than not (laughs) it's so true well and I think too I mean as you were talking I was thinking about like who who so the diet culture and what is prescribed through that, which is a little bit varied, you know, depending on your um, like where you're at, I guess. But mm-hmm. who like who is that doable for the the population that can actually like has the time and the resources and the skills to be able to do what diet culture um, prescribes is really narrow, and that leaves a lot of people out who. Yes like no matter their best intentions and, and everything else, like they just could not do that. So then they're just set up to fail from the get go. And that's just complete crap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There is, there is a lot of privilege that comes with being able to prepare, um, fresh, wholesome, brightly colored, perfectly portioned meals every night. Like you said, yes, it requires the time. It requires um, cooking skills, not just cooking, but, you know, knowing how to chop veggies and prepare veggies and things like that. Um, and you're right, it does. The the definition of, of eating right from diet culture does leave a lot of people out. I read a really um, interesting article that came out at the start of October Uh it was from the week, and it was written by Zoe Fenson. I'm wondering if it's um, helpful to read kind of this, the way that she's described this idea. At the the article was titled "It's So Much More Than Cooking," um, yeah, and so she do. said, "Yeah, she said, picture the inside of your fridge, stuffed or bare, messy or clean, without actually looking inside. Name three foods that you know that are in there. 
Think about how much of each item you have. Think about when they were purchased and how soon you'll have to use them before they go bad. Think about what meals you might be able to make with each of those ingredients. Think about how many portions those meals will make and how long the leftovers will keep. Think about what other ingredients you'd need to acquire in order to make those meals. Think about how much those ingredients cost and how much money you have available to buy them. Think about who else will be eating with you and what they do or don't like and what they can and can't eat. Think about how long it'll take to cook, how long until mealtime, how hungry am I, how hungry is everyone else. Think about the inevitable sink full of dishes and who will do them and how long after the meal they'll get done. Think about doing this all over again every time you cook. (laughs) That's a lot to think about. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I I really resonated with that article because I think for me it really resonates with my experience of cooking and the labor that is involved in putting a meal on the table. And so you have that plus all of those kind of circumstances I mentioned before in terms of people working really long hours or working multiple jobs or just um, finding coming to the kitchen and cooking a meal really challenging. And it is a lot to ask of people to be doing that day after day for multiple meals of the day. Yeah, I think think that is such a helpful um, checklist to go over or whatever you would call it for a number of reasons. And I think one, one that kind of came to mind as you were reading it was, um, when you started talking about, you know, like imagine what's in your fridge and what you've got and then, you know, plan meals based off of that kind of, Mm -hmm. I was a little bit excited thinking about that. Cause that's one thing that I really enjoy is, is getting creative in the kitchen. And then you kept talking about, you know, like the process of actually making it and then, um, and then eating it and then cleaning up. And then I started to feel a little bit of anxiety come in Uh and I think it's a good, uh, test for us or, or just a, a, an activity, I guess, to kind of check in with ourselves and see how we're reacting to that list of, um, of tasks. Cause there, Mm -hmm. you know, as you brought up before, like you weren't sure where, um, the breakdown happened if, you know, if it's the cooking process, if it's the planning, all of that, that you don't enjoy and being able to be, to recognize that is, is a step forward. Um, mm-hmm. or if it's all of it, then recognizing that, um, outsourcing is probably a good option for you and it's okay to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think in the world that we live in at the moment, we have so much choice, um, how much access we have is a is a different story because again that speaks to privilege but we have so much choice when it comes to food that yeah I think we can kind of break down the whole kind of end-to-end process of putting a meal on the table and from there working out where where can we take shortcuts or make things easier if we want to yeah that's such a good point um one last question for you so this is something that I hear a lot when people talk about eating out and particularly Mm -hmm. fast food, they talk about making better choices at those, um, in those, uh, at those times. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what would you recommend or what would you bring up when somebody says that? Cause I think that's super common. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I'm always reminding people that health is an immoral obligation. So good. And and that 
in the moment, I suppose, you know, for people who are working on kind of reconnecting with their body and, and using these these principles of intuitive eating, in these moments it's not about starting with what's going to be the healthiest choice because, again, this is this idea of the healthiest choice is coming from external ideas of what healthy means. I think I would be inviting people to use that moment where they're asking that question to get one, get really curious about, oh, that's interesting. I wonder where this idea of me feeling like I have to choose the healthiest choice is coming from. And using that moment to kind of tap into what their body is actually telling them they they feel like or, or need in that moment and using that as their guide instead. Um, because I'm sure you know as well with, you know, understanding intuitive eating that it's not every meal that counts. It's kind of over time that, um, I don't know, our, our health and our well-being evolves. And so it's not make and break for every meal. And over time with getting back in touch with our body and using that to be our guide, we kind of find that nice even balance in terms of food that is um, tasty, satisfying, filling, um, ticks the boxes in terms of nutrition. You know, we probably don't need to be thinking about the minute details of nutrition as much as we're led to believe. Um and yeah, I suppose I suppose that's what I would be saying. I would be encouraging people to really tap into what's what's feeling most um, I don't know enticing or appealing in the moment. And you know, sometimes that's going to be something that diet culture deems as being like a quote unquote bad food, and sometimes it's not. And in either cases, both of them are totally okay. That's such a good point. And I think, I mean, when we talk about diet culture. And the moral obligations there, it's not mm -hmm. about you. It has not. nothing to do with your own needs, your own preferences. It's about conforming to this, like, you know, I mean, this idea that was based off of really nothing scientific, nothing helpful. Well, not nothing, but it's, it's we're narrowing the scope as opposed to keeping it broad as it should be. Um mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that, so it's, it's not really about what it is that you're eating. It's about the thought and the feelings and everything that goes behind it, which is, you know, it's complicated and it's a lot. Um, but know that it's okay to slowly kind of address those and, um, to kind of move through and figure all of that out. And that's why it's good to meet with a dietitian <laughs> like us who, you know, has this approach that can help you figure out um, a way of eating that's going to be helpful for you, make your life easier and um, nourishing without punishing, I guess. Yes, yes. And I, I, have, I have found that, you know, I have clients who say, it's not necessarily that my eating has changed, but it's the way I'm thinking about eating that has and I'm no longer getting worked up about what my choices are because I've realized that that isn't what's most important anymore. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's letting go of that kind of obsession and, and that real um, mental baggage around food that is just not super helpful. Yeah. yeah. 
And this is going off topic, so I'm just going to say that and we'll yeah. leave it as is. But it it all comes back to fear in my mind. Yes. It's fear of so many different things, but it's fear. And that's not a good way to – it's not a helpful place for us to be living. It doesn't help us at all. No. I'm always, I love following you on Instagram and you have such great posts on your blog that are really like, I'm interpreting them as kind of tutorials on how to go about doing all of these different things. Can you share how to um, get those? Yeah. So, uh, my blog is feelgoodeating.com.au. Um, and I'm on all the socials, but I'm probably most active on Instagram and I'm there, um, as at feelgoodeating. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I love all of the different like quick quotes that you have because it's easy to remember those little bite-sized pieces of information um they can kind of stick with us which is which is nice they're good things to keep in the back of our mind as we're navigating eating (laughs) yes i'm glad i'm glad it's been helpful yeah thank you so much it was good talking to you thanks for having me it was good talking to you too all right bye see ya Thanks so much for listening to the Table for One podcast with Rebecca. If you're cooking for one or know somebody who is, make sure to subscribe to the Table for One podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date on new episodes that will help you make cooking for one easier and more enjoyable. Feel free to continue the conversation over at in the Table for One Facebook group. You can also find recipes or work with Rebecca over at nourishnutritionblog.com. Or honestly, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram. My handle is Nourish Nutrico, and you can click on the link of my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week.